0: Well, this morning we're continuing in a story that we started last week because we're looking at the face-to-face interactions that Jesus had with people while he was here on earth. And last week we started looking at the interaction that he had with Nicodemus. We looked at the conversation that they were having, what it was about, what the problem was, what Nicodemus was struggling to understand. And we find that story... In John chapter three this morning we 're going to continue we 're going to look at the second half of that so we've we 've gotten past the, the real problem and if we look at if we want to look at how this is structured John chapter three verse one all the way through uh, verse twelve is really Jesus explaining the problem of unbelief to kind of summarize what we talked about last week the problem of unbelief is that Until we believe, we aren't capable of understanding or even seeing the things of eternity. Jesus says you can't see the kingdom of heaven. We can't see it, we can't comprehend it, it isn't a part of us. Jesus says to first see the kingdom of heaven we have to be born again. This is where Nicodemus starts to have issue or where we start to see his understanding dwindle or fall apart. He moves away from the, the, if you're following the dialogue, he falls away from the rabbinical tradition of asking questions and progressing in conversation. And he just stops and he says, but how can this be? And Jesus, I think very clearly says, what do you mean? How can this be? I know these things. I'm telling you these things. I descended from heaven. How do you not know this? Are you not the teacher of Israel? How is it that you still don't understand this? How is it that we still don't understand this? Today we get to progress. Not just looking at the problem of unbelief, but I want to look at two more sides of this. One, I want to look at the answer of unbelief because there is an answer. And two, I want to look at the real results. The real results of unbelief as Jesus explains in continuing this dialogue. Remember, this setting, this verse, it's so familiar to us. We know it. John 3.16, I think most people in the world know it. In one way or the other, they've come in contact with it. But this is in the context of a learned Pharisee, a member of the Jewish high courts, the Sanhedrin, the same court that would condemn Jesus, that would pass him over to the Roman authorities to judge him and put him on a cross. And Jesus, sitting down in the dark, as Jesus exposes the light of his kingdom. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 3. I want to start reading in verse 12 just so we don't miss the context, but I want to read all the way through verse 21. The Bible. Let's pray first, actually. What a mistake, and this is maybe a good time to call out my own mistake. If we try to read the Bible without asking God to disclose the truths that are in it, we're really up against a futile effort. We need God to reveal to us these truths. And so I want to take a moment this morning before reading to ask God to do just that for all of us. Our Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for caring about individuals to have these one-on-one, face-to-face conversations. And God, I pray that you'd help me. This morning, as we read your word, I pray that you would help me to understand it. God, this morning, as we read your word, I pray that you would help me to explain it. God, I pray that there would be none of me in this. There would be nothing, nothing outside of you that you would help me to understand these truths. As you explained them to Nicodemus, as your servant John recorded them here. God, I pray that you would speak truth to us this morning. It's in your precious name we ask this. Amen. The Bible says, starting in verse 12, If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses was lifted, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. In God. We talked about those the first verses that we read, verse 12 through uh, 15 last week, but I want to call attention to the picture that's been put together here for us by Jesus. Remember, He's speaking not to, He's speaking to an educated man. Nicodemus, we're told, is a Pharisee, that he's um, a teacher of teachers, that he's a teacher of Israel. I'm sorry, that's what he says, that he's a teacher of Israel, that he's an authority, which means that he's a member of Sanhedrin. He's a prominent teacher, and, and, and he's well-versed and well-read and knowledgeable about the truths of God. But sitting here with Christ, sitting here with the Messiah, the Son of Man, sitting here with the one true Son of God, there are some things he's struggling to wrap his mind around. That's the case for Christians today. Especially those of us who have grown up in church, who are familiar with the, the, the truths and the doctrines, and maybe we even understand how salvation works, we know how to explain it. But are we really able to see the kingdom of God? Jesus gives us this picture that just As Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, which was a way for God in forgiving Israel after they repented of their sins. Let me back up. First, Israel sinned. God sent snakes. Snakes bit Israel. Many men died. Israel repented. And so God said, well, rather than getting rid of the snakes, I'm going to teach you what faith means. And he instructed Moses to put an image of a snake on a pole. So that anyone who was bitten, if they looked at the snake, they wouldn't die. Just like Moses did that in the wilderness, Jesus, or the Son of Man, must be lifted high. So that anyone who looks on Him will be able to experience eternal life. This picture carries forward. It's timeless because just as Jesus was lifted up on the cross for us today, even as we experience, I called them last week, snake bites of this world, we turn to the cross and we look at the cross. We fix our eyes on the cross because we don't have to understand it all, but it's our faith, it's our belief, it's our trust, it's our reliance on Him that is able to give us eternal life. Even when we approach subjects such as Being born again. Or the kingdom of heaven. As we approach these kinds of subjects, we run across things that just don't make sense. And we can lie and say that we do understand it. But I've been trying for a very long time to understand all of these things. And there is a lot that I do not understand. It's through faith, it's through trust that we're able to see more and understand more and comprehend more. And so we look to the cross. We fix our eyes upon Jesus because God's doing something here. Let's look at verse 16. God loved the world. He loved the entire world. I'm going to be careful to hit these points quickly because I could get stuck here for a really long time. God loved the world. One of the questions I've struggled with or one of the things that I've struggled to understand the most is, why would God create us? All-knowing, He knew of all the times that we would fall away from Him. All the times that the humanity would be dwindled down to a faithful remnant. He knew all the disappointments. And He knew the heartache that would come from it. But He loved the world. He chose to create us despite all of that. And even after generations and generations... He made a way. He loved the world. That's why he decided or it's the only thing. Well, it's what the Bible tells us. The reason that he created us is because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. He gave his only son. He sent himself down from heaven so that he could take on the form of a baby. So that He could grow up in this world experiencing everything that you and I experience. So that He can identify with us. So that we can't say that you don't understand because you're God. You don't know what it means to be tempted because you're holy. Instead, he's able to say, I know every struggle that you're going through. I understand what it feels like to be bitten by a snake. I know what it feels like because I've lived in the world with snakes. I know what it means to lose loved ones because I lost loved ones while I was on earth. I know what it means to experience the consequences of sin in this world because he did it. He gave up all the glories of heaven. Everything that we look forward to, power, the throne, the singing, the worship, the food. I can't imagine how incredible heaven is, but he gave it all up so that he could take on the form of a baby. A red, wrinkly little baby. So that he could grow up and be lifted high on a cross for our behalf. So that whoever, that's indiscriminatory, whoever, whoever, I don't know if you realize how amazing that is, but this love of God is so big that no one is limited by it. There's not a single person in this world who doesn't fit into that box, whoever. We can categorize people all we want, but there's no way to sub-categorize whoever. That's everybody. It's all inclusive. He did it for everyone. There's one condition that if they believe in him, that if they believe in him, they should not perish, but they should have eternal life. Just like getting bitten the snake with the, in the desert was a sure sign that you would die. Just like the consequences of sin in this world is a sure sign that you will die because the Bible says that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. There is a guarantee that the consequence of sin is that you will die. But if you look at the cross the way that Israel looked at the snake on the pole, you will not perish, but you will have eternal life. Eternal life. But it requires us to believe. It requires us to believe. What does it mean to believe in something? Simply to mean that it's factual and that it's true, I think that's part of it, but I think that comes short. To really believe in him, as the Bible says, or to believe in Jesus means not just to believe that he actually lived, that he actually lived on this earth, that he was born and that he died, that he was crucified on a cross, even to believe that he was resurrected from the grave on the third day and that he ascended into heaven. That's not enough. But to believe in him the way that the Bible is instructing us to believe in him here is to believe that he is the only way we have any hope of receiving eternal life. It's to give up the parts of ourselves that are trying to figure it out on our own. I love teaching Sunday school to third graders, third through sixth graders, because we talked about this this morning and and words of wisdom. But if I was good enough, I could get into heaven. And those students are totally right. If you were good enough, you could totally get into heaven. But good enough means perfect. But we still rely on that. We still try to understand it in our heads. We still try to rely on our goodness, on our righteousness, that we might win our way into heaven, that we might achieve it on our own. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, give up all hope because you're not going to do it. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Even if this day forward, you were good enough in the past, you weren't. And that's enough to condemn you. You are condemned unless you believe in the one thing that can save you, the one person who can save you, the one person who loves you enough to first create you despite all the heartache you would cause him, to send himself, giving up all the glories of heaven to become a man, to die on a cross. But I can't emphasize how true if you spend any time looking at that, like the medical side of dying on a cross or what it actually meant. and not just that, but the social side of it. It was humiliating. It was the worst form of death, I think, even today, that a person could experience, but he loved you enough to do it to be buried in a tomb. Mm-hmm. To conquer death for you. Believe in Him. Set aside trying to figure it all out on your own. The answer to unbelief is to believe. to set aside all hope of figuring this out on our own and to rely wholeheartedly on the one who already knows. Because our faith is not based on the the ascension of man or the ability for any person that's here today to figure it out, to study the Bible and to figure it out, to ascend into heaven and to discover these truths for ourselves. Our faith is based on the one, look back at verse 13, the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Everything that we do, everything that we study, everything that we look at, everything that we understand comes from Him who descended from heaven with the purpose of saving us. The problem of unbelief is that you aren't capable of seeing the kingdom of God. In order to see it, you have to be born again. And how can you understand what that means if first you didn't believe? The answer to unbelief is that we would believe in Him, Because whoever believes in him, follow me in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Condemnation does not come from believing or not believing. Condemnation, everyone here is already condemned. We're already guilty. We're already condemned. We're already condemned. condemned. But God so loved the world. I want to tell you a story about the power that belief can have. On January 6th, 1850, a snowstorm almost crippled the city of Gloucester, England. And a teenage boy was unable to get to the church that he usually attended. He made his way to the nearby chapel where an ill-prepared layman was substituting for the absent preacher. His text was Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For many months, this young teenager had been miserable and under deep conviction. But though he had been reared in church, his father and his grandfather were both preachers. He did not have the assurance of salvation. The unprepared substitute minister did not have much to say, so he kept repeating the text. A man need not go to college to learn to look. He, he, he shouted and he, he screamed from the pulpit like some lunatic. and He said, anyone can look, a child can look. And he became more passionate, and about that time... He saw the visitor sitting on one of the side aisles and he pointed to him and he said, Young man, you look very miserable. Young man, look to Jesus. That day, in 1850, that young man looked to Jesus. That man was the preacher I think most of us are familiar with, Charles Spurgeon. even though he had been raised by a preacher. His grandfather was a preacher. He had been reared in church. He believed for the first time. And the only thing that he did to believe was to look to the cross and to believe that it was enough and to rely on it and to give himself up. Before that, he was miserable. The Bible says that if one does not believe, they're condemned already. They're condemned because they didn't believe in the name of the Son of God. And and the judgment's expanded a little bit more here. Look in verse 19. The judgment is that the light has come into the world and that people love darkness rather than the light. I want to look at this this morning, but if you like outlines, and I know there's a lot of you do, here's where we're at. The problem of unbelief is that you can't see the kingdom of heaven. The answer to unbelief is that you believe. But the result of unbelief is this. That you continue to live in your despair. The substitute minister told Charles Spurgeon that he looked very miserable. This morning, I think there's people here that look very miserable. And it might just be because we're ready to eat. But some of you do look very miserable. I appreciate the smiles. The reality, the result of unbelief is that you are stuck in that. And there's no way for you to get out of it. John, in writing his gospel, emphasizes on the nature of light and darkness. If you notice, he says that the light has come into the world. Jesus came into the world. He shed light. He disclosed. He revealed to us this great mystery that we need to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus had studied his entire life to learn the secrets and the truths of eternity. And he was well-respected. He was teaching others. In fact, he was teaching people who were teaching others. But Jesus brought to him the light. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter... Nicodemus came by night to speak with Jesus. There's darkness around him. Even though he's studied, even though he's well-respected, he's still in the darkness, but here comes the light. Jesus explaining these truths. And he says, the problem is that anyone who lives in darkness will not come to the light because they don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be exposed. I really want to plea with you this morning, that you'd understand what this means and that you'd think with it. And I I really, really want to plea with everyone who's here this morning, or anyone that's listening on our podcast later, I don't know why we'd be afraid of being exposed. There's so many things that we could be afraid of, but why would, we be, why would we be afraid of being exposed? The Bible says that everyone's already fallen short. We've all missed the mark. what sin means, to miss the mark. We've all fallen short. And there was a time when I could really identify with this. Even though I knew the truths about God, even though I knew the realities and I could speak the words and I understood it, at least I knew how to explain it in a way that would satisfy people, I thought that I wasn't good enough. I thought that I wasn't perfect enough. I thought that I couldn't measure up to be a Christian, let alone be a preacher, let alone be a pastor. Verse 21 says that whoever does what is true and comes into the light so that they may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. There's some confusing language there, no matter what translation you're looking at. But the truth is this. There's nothing to run away from. For the Christian who comes into the light, it does expose everything that we've done, but it's going to be exposed anyway. But there be no need of guilt. there be no need of being held back. There's nothing that should hold us back, because in new life, it's what Jesus describes as being born again. You look very miserable. But if you look to Jesus, everything that you've ever done, everything that you ever will do, it won't condemn you. It'll provide for you eternal life. The Bible expands... The, the reasons why somebody might fail to believe or what these real the, the real obstacles are that first of all that we love darkness or that we think that we love darkness more than light and what i mean by that or what the Bible's communicating here is that we love our sin more than holiness or more than righteousness and so we say well that's all well and good but i'd rather put that decision off because i'd rather live in the darkness for a little bit longer here's the truth You are living in darkness, and you are blind, and you can't even see how awful it is. You think you want it, but that's because you're blind. You can't even see how awful the life that you're living is. And I could try to argue with you, but I don't think it's necessary. The reality is, if you're living in darkness, you know what it means to be miserable. To always want something that you can't name to always be chasing after something that can't be found. Come into the light. We live in the truth, in new life, and we're able to see clearly for the first time all those former passions and all the thoughts that we had. We're freed from the guilt of all of that. Look, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night And Jesus spoke with him. And I'm thankful that the Bible records the end of this story, or at least where I'd like to end with it. In John chapter 19, verses 38 through 42, after Jesus is taken down from the cross, after he's crucified, Nicodemus is one of the men who helped to bury Christ. While the Sanhedrin condemned him. Nicodemus confessed his faith in him. His belief in him. He set aside everything that he ever knew so that he could believe in the one who would teach him all things he ever needed. This morning I want to ask. We get to celebrate our nation's independence. We get to celebrate freedom. We get to celebrate liberty and independence and everything that comes with the sacrifices that have been made by so many men and women, by the wars that have been fought, both overseas and domestically, philosophical ideas that have threatened us. There have been so many sacrifices that have given us this freedom. If you're living in darkness, though, you're not really enjoying it. There is a spiritual freedom that only comes when we look at the cross. There's not a complicated answer to how to get there. All it takes is your belief. This morning we'll have a song of invitation, and I'm going to ask you if you've never believed. If you've forgotten what it means to have believed, that you would focus your attention on this. That you'd focus your attention on looking at the cross. That you would embrace the liberty that you have as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. That you would embrace the liberty that you have in being able to set aside all the guilt of your past, being able to look to the future with hope for the first time. I'll ask you to stand so we get ready to sing. Before we sing, would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would continue to speak truth to us this morning, that you would bless us now as we come to you that You would guide us, that You would continue to convict our hearts. God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who needs to believe in You for the first time, God, I pray that You'd give them the confidence to share that great and wonderful news with us, that we can celebrate with them not just the liberty that You've given us as a country, but that we can celebrate the freedom that You are still causing in the lives of many. In Jesus' heavenly name we pray. Amen. Please sing number 376. I have decided to follow Jesus. I, I have